There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the weekly podcast for the Michael Reed Show on LMFM. This is Michael Reed, and over the course of the next while, we listen back to some of the best parts from the show from the week gone by. This week, there's only been one story. On Monday, the coronavirus, COVID-19, was a crisis that was looming. I spoke to Stephen McMahon of the Irish Patients Association. The number of coronavirus COVID-19 cases continues to rise with 33 people on the island of Ireland confirmed to have contracted the disease. Five new patients in Northern Ireland bring the total number of people there with the virus to 12, while two new cases were confirmed here yesterday, bringing the total in the Republic to 21. Both of the new cases are community transmission, which means they don't know how the patients became infected. The escalation of COVID-19 has led to the mandatory quarantine of a quarter of Italy's population, some 16 million people. In France and in Germany, gatherings of more than a 1,000 people are prohibited. Here, the HSE says it cannot dispute forecasts of 1.9 million of us catching COVID-19 or how that could result in the deaths of between 80 to 120,000 people in the Republic. The Cabinet Committee on the Coronavirus will meet for the first time today. Stephen McMahon, spokesperson for the Irish Patients Association, joins us. And a very good morning to you, Stephen, and thank you for taking the time to be with us. We are most truly in uncharted waters, and as a result of that, there is obviously anxiety and fear. And I gather that at this stage, uh, the efforts will focus on preventing panic to some degree. Indeed, Michael. uh, We are facing as a society um, and indeed, you know, in the global village, uh, a major problem that I don't think we've ever encountered the likes of it before. Um, I mean, on one side, uh, thankfully, health systems are a lot more robust than they were back in the days of the Spanish flu. And uh, the fact that uh, China did um, take its interventions earlier has bought a lot of time for uh, the health systems around the world, such as Ireland, to be able to um, prepare ourselves uh, for this. It is very stark. I mean, you know, whether it's 1.9 million, 1 million or whatever, mm. uh, these are very large numbers when you look at the fact that even small percentages of serious conditions uh, r- ratchet up very quickly into very large numbers. So I think it's uh, important for us to uh, stay calm. We know that our current healthcare system before this uh, uh, onset 
um, has already been very challenged in our overcrowded ED departments and uh, the staff have been wor- working trojanly there over uh, the last uh, year or two particularly and we have discussed it um, before ourselves mm-hmm. on, on the show and um, you know so we really have to sort of stay calm and follow the instructions from the health authorities from various websites um, from the HSC and the Department of Health. And uh, I suppose uh, some people will be a little bit sick. 40% of us are estimated under these forecasts uh, to develop uh, this disease but some of us uh, will be a little bit sick, some of us will be very sick and it could result in the death of others and I suppose that is uh, where a lot of uh, the focus will be uh, now in terms of planning for this and if we can keep people uh, Alive. In other words, do we have enough ICU beds? Uh, the government has made funding available to provide an additional 20 beds, but it's still very unclear as to whether that will be sufficient. Well, I think that, you know, uh, we attended the briefing session or engagement session with the Department of Health and their senior officials on Friday, and that did provide some, I suppose, uh, useful but very sobering sort of comments, uh, such as the fact that there may be some very difficult choices to make um, because of the fact that with the huge surge that, that's being expected, I mean, this is not a winter time, um, uh, a winter surge. This is just, uh, would be a massive surge from the point of view that within a short number of weeks, you would have, you could have tens of thousands of people um, all clamoring to get access to healthcare systems. And the, the other side of that is, which is of a concern to other uh, patient organisations, particularly that are looking after, uh, uh, um, you know, cancer and heart and mm. uh, diabetes and cystic fibrosis is how will how will the services that are currently ring fenced for them will they still be in place? And the and the honest answer is that they may not be because uh, of the pressures that are in the system for those beds for critically ill patients uh, who are slightly ahead of others in the queue and. You know, what we need to ensure is, and it's something that we raised uh, quite a lot last week at different venues, is the need to adhere to the World Health Organization's Code of Ethics for dealing with um, uh, epidemics. And the department uh, confirmed on Friday that um, that they hope to pu- publish a Code of Ethics for the way that uh, the process works from the point of view of the allocation of resources, uh, the need to uh, ensure that local communities and patients and all that have a meaningful mm. way to engage in the decision-making process for what will be, at the end of the day, some tough decisions if things uh, escalated, uh, mm. you know, to a point where, you know, the whole of society would be at risk. And these are decisions that will be made by politicians. We'll talk uh, about the government and how we're in a caretaker administration at the moment, I think I said 20 uh, ICU beds. I think it's 25 ICU beds at yeah. a cost of 20 million euro. Uh, but that will bring the amount of ICU beds in the country, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, to about 300. If we're talking about in the region of 80,000, maybe as many as 120,000 people who could die as a result of this disease, that would seem far below what is needed in terms of critical care. Well, this this is the point. I mean, you know, uh, I, first of all, I think that that figure of eighty to one hundred twenty thousand deaths, I think, is is very very high mm. in that estimate. And I think that, you know, other other experts in that area would put the figure in at around about twenty thousand, twenty five thousand. And mm. I'm not being glib when I say those numbers. I realise that each one of those numbers is a family, it's a it's a grandparent, mm. it's a it's a it's an elderly person or or, or a young person. That just because that eighty percent of people under the age of uh, 
you know, 50 or so or 60 um, will be able to just get a mild dose. Not all of them will because, mm. you know, everybody can have chronic conditions that whatever age they're at and they would be vulnerable. So um, the, the fact is that, uh, you know, it's not possible to press a button and suddenly create, you know, tens of thousands of um, ICU beds. And that is the challenge, you know, to try and ensure that we individually take personal responsibilities. I know mm. on a number of radio stations, uh, I was talking to one this morning where, and I'm sure it's the same as yourself, uh, where they're no longer doing studio interviews. They're now doing everything on the phone and making those decisions now, uh, you know, and also in some of the churches making, um, uh, how to say, uh, rules about not doing the sign of peace and, and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are all small things to try and ensure that the, that the, that the virus is not passed on. The more we can delay the virus spreading even for a day or two means that that sort of surge that might hit in the emergency departments in the next three or four weeks uh, might be reduced and therefore give people a better chance to get access to those services that they needed. And um, so it's really incumbent on everybody. We have just put up on our site uh, this morning, um, Mike, uh, a a guideline, sort of a a discussion document. It's really, it's not definitive, but it's a discussion document for for people and families and and, and so on to discuss a personal um, plan plan you know like have you got all your uh, have you got all the details of your of your family doctor um uh, handy uh, you know the names of your consultants um your local pharmacy have you got your prescriptions up to date have you got stocks of your regular medicines mm. and then you know for people that may be living alone uh, to set up maybe with some neighbor or family member uh, routine phone calls maybe mm. nine o'clock in the morning or nine o'clock in the evening just to keep in touch with them to let them know if there's anything that they particularly need it's on our website yeah. um in our uh, irishpatients.ie if any of your listeners want to have a quick look at it but it's really Absolutely, just to yeah. mm-hmm. start um how would i say uh, individuals beginning to look at the realities of what uh, can be facing and there's no mm-hmm. harm in being prepared do you remember okay. the boy mm-hmm. scouts uh, motto i think was be prepared i think was their 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 their, their motto and Follow the um, the advice from mm. the HSC and from the Department of Health on the whole issue of hygiene and what they're recommending to do. And, you know, again, this comes into a fact. Mm. I noticed yesterday socially people were sort of jokingly, you know, um, giving each other the peace sign rather than shaking hands yeah. and mm-hmm. elbow bumps and, uh, you know, even some attempts to do the same Dr. Spock uh, sign in Star Trek Live Long <laughs> mm, and Prosper. Mm, so, God, okay. you know, mm, these mm, are small mm. things, but they can yeah. make a big difference. Mm. And we're in that sort of crisis mode that we've never been in before. Mm. This is way beyond us talking about mm. winter winter overcrowding. Absolutely. Give us that website address again, Stephen. Uh, www.irishpatients.ie Okay, and we'll repeat that in a moment. And give some of your listeners some of the points on it. But oh, I, absolutely, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It sounds well worth a, a read, and I'm sure people will be interested. We'll read out that uh, address again uh, in a moment, uh, and perhaps you. younger listeners might print it off for older listeners uh, or older relatives, as uh, the case may be. But you were saying that you can't provide critical care at the touch of a button. Uh, I suppose depending on where you are or how a country has been ruled, because they did exactly that in China, didn't they, when they built a hospital in just a week uh, okay, in order yeah. to deal with this. Uh, and uh, that uh, is part of what was a very slow response, which turned into a very uh, effective and all-of-government turbocharged response Responses, I think it's uh, been called, which has brought the disease uh, under control in China at this stage. Here we're at the very beginning and we 
have cancelled one Six Nations match. Uh, the second one might be cancelled as a result of steps that they're taking in France to prohibit uh, meetings of or gatherings of over a thousand people. Uh, it may not. Uh, that will uh, be seen in the next couple of days. Uh, but with big events uh, within the next fortnight, uh, St. Patrick's Day celebrations, the Irish Nurses Organisation, several medics uh, have called uh, for it uh, to be called off. Uh, and it seems as though it's all but inevitable that it will be called off. But the government is slow to make the announcement for fear of panic. Would that be your assessment of it? Um, I think that the, the, the government are, are are waiting to hear from what experts say. But I mean, everybody, you, you, you still have to sort of feel what the concerns are of the general public. And the concerns of the general public, you know, and I know I can't speak for mm. the general public, but my impression in dealing with people for the last 20 years in this particular space is that, you know, the initial one is, is am I safe? And then is my family safe and my community safe? And to be honest with you, you know, when we talk about uh, 1.9 million people um, possibly contacting uh, or contracting this, uh, mm. this disease, um, if you're going to put a half a million people on a street, now I've heard some ex- explanations saying, well, it's out in the open air and it's not quite the same. Yeah. The fact is, those people are going to be travelling on buses and cars and, you know, going to pubs and restaurants and heaven knows what else. And yes, it's, it would be a huge hit to the economy. Yeah. But I suppose the question is, who's going to go to someone if they've lost someone as a result of the fact that the, the disease got another foothold uh, because of the fact that we went ahead, uh, went ahead with that? Yeah. This is not a killjoy. This is a matter of uh, ourselves as, as a nation uh, protecting ourselves and any of the visitors that come to Ireland. Mm. And uh, I would uh, certainly um, agree with Professor John Crown and the likes of Vicky Phelan and others who have stu- uh, stood out there to say, really, we need to call it out, uh, call it off, should I say. And uh, maybe at some later date, we can have a bigger celebration when we get through this crisis. Well, well when will that be? But uh, even if it is uh, to go ahead and older people don't go, people who have cancer don't go or, or compromised immune systems don't go, will they come into contact with people who have gone to the parade and if the parade is dangerous because of the amount of people there is that argument that it's outdoors so there's less chance of catching it but what about other big events should we be following in the footsteps of France and Germany and uh, prohibiting gatherings of uh, a thousand people of more and should other events like concerts be cancelled in this country well, I think that, you know, it, it depends on what the timing of those events are. You know, are we talking of something in the next three to four weeks? Or are we talking about something in a few months ahead? I think that really the key thing here is is to uh, watch very closely um, the, the spread of this uh, disease in Ireland um, on the daily updates we're getting. I heard some commentators or experts uh, either today or yesterday, things are happening so fast, it's hard to keep track of everything. But like, you know, we're almost like Italy was maybe a month ago at the moment. Do you know what I mean? And uh, so are we going to see a reduction? Or are we going to see a steady increase? And if we see a steady increase, well, then those sort of decisions that you're talking about may have to be made. And again, at the, at the briefing meeting at the department, they were quite open and honest about, you know, not not sort of saying that this is going to, this decision is mm. going to be made, but they may have to make, and, and society, and this is why we need a solid government, yeah. we may need to make some tough decisions about, you know, uh, who knows if, if, if um, that, uh, Cork or Sligo or, 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 or Trim or Navin had to be isolated from the rest of the country and how, how can we 
implement that and, and ensure that anybody that would be affected in that way and would you, be provided with all of the necessary supports that they may need. Would you welcome the idea of uh, national government uh, as a resolution to the political impasse there is a, a, at the moment? We have a, a somewhat ironic kind of a, a situation in that the Taoiseach is about to head to America for St. Patrick's Day at a time where St. Patrick's Day may be cancelled in Ireland. Uh, we're facing into the biggest public health crisis that has ever existed and we do not have a government in situ at a time when we're being told effective uh, and unified government response is necessary. Uh, is this the time for the politicians to come together and put aside their differences uh, and work in unity, do you believe? Well, look, I've certainly let it be known in some political quarters a view on this and it's quite simple. If all of the political parties could agree on the basic principles of Slauncha Care and sign up to it, the only thing they're differing on that is what part of it is implemented earlier, the actual core issues and how much they're going to put into it. But the key thing here is that they were able to find an agreement on a very important document. We are now facing one of the biggest health crises that have ever hit, not only just Ireland, but the world perhaps. And the thing is that you know, a national government may be the best way forward to ensure that all aspects of a society are represented and that importantly that there's a strong uh, leadership in the way that um, decisions will be made. And tough decisions may be, but at least that it's done in a way that's fair, it's transparent, it's ethical, and that, um, you know, that if people find that they're unhappy with things, that there is a way for them to mm. have those uh, concerns voiced in a constructive way. What we don't want is to see people getting, um, uh, you know, looking over their shoulder at their neighbours or their, their local town or a village or whatever else and, and sort of saying, you know, uh, what's happened for us. We need to have it in a way that's fair and equitable and in a way that can. You know, I believe I have a great faith in Ireland and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm around quite a few years, thank God. And I think the thing is that um, that we can work together. I mean, look at the history of the GAA and all the counties mm-hmm. and villages and, 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 and so on and the way that, you know, people bind together. And I'm sure that they're already uh, tic-tacking amongst themselves as to what they can do in their local community in a calm way that, mm. that you know, that we're not actually sort of getting um, panicky or anything else like that because that's not good going to serve anybody's interest. Okay, and that document you mentioned on your website uh, may help people, a discussion document discussion, uh, for people yeah. to have a, a look at on irishpatients.ie irishpatients.ie and it's in our resources section and you'll also get all the official links to all the Department of Health, the Centre for Disease Control in the States and the Health Research, uh, HPSC in Dublin. Very good. irishpatients.ie Stephen, thank you for joining us here this morning. Stephen McMahon, spokesperson for the Irish Patients Association. Michael Reed on LMFM. On Tuesday's programme, we spoke about the concern that there is for people who have compromised immune systems with Dr. Robert O'Connor of the Irish Cancer Society. Stark warnings from government yesterday about the risk to public health. The Taoiseach says there's a lot about the coronavirus, COVID-19, that we don't know. But it is possible that we're facing events that are unprecedented in modern times. The virus can't be stopped but it can be slowed and the impact on it can be reduced. We have no treatment, no vaccine and no immunity. So this is as much going to be a societal response to slow the spread of the the virus as it is going to be a medical response. Three new cases of the disease were confirmed here yesterday. That brings the total of cases in this country to 24. 
14 of which are associated with uh, travel outside of the country, seven of which arose in Ireland uh, as contacts with, an orig- with a confirmed case. Uh, two of them arose as uh, cases in a healthcare setting. Um, and three, I think I've given you before, uh, that have arisen as a community where we're not able to, to identify either a source in terms of uh, international travel or a source in terms of contact with a confirmed case. The government's chief medical officer, Tony Holham. We are still in Ireland in the containment phase, and we will stay in the containment phase for as long as is possible. But we will move to the delay phase um, and the mitigation phase in the weeks ahead. The virus is now in every European country. St. Patrick's Day is cancelled and expect much more, as it is estimated that up to as many as 60% of us could contract this disease, an epidemic close to a pandemic, which has resulted in Italy, that's all of Italy, being put in lockdown. The virus has a foothold in so many countries the threat of a pandemic has become very real. But it would be the first pandemic in history that could be controlled. The bottom line is we're not at the mercy of the virus. The Director General of the World Health Organization, Tedros Adhanom. Some of us are more vulnerable than others, however, older people at risk groups and people with compromised immune systems. As we have a general public health message which is directed at the general population and the behaviour that we, we are expecting and hoping that people will begin to adopt, either in terms of protecting and preventing for themselves or in terms of let's say, picking up the cases to begin with or ensuring that they respond appropriately when they develop symptoms. We're going to expand those messages out and target more towards particular groups in the way that you're describing. In other words, parents of young children, uh, people in the various different uh, risk groups that we've been identifying, older people and so on. We want to work through the stakeholder briefings and and, and organisations that attend those briefings to partner with them to help to get the message out in a more targeted way to each of those groups. And let's start that discussion now. Dr. Robert O'Connor is Head of Research with the Irish Cancer Society. He's on the line. A very good morning to you and thanks for joining us. And I imagine you are uh, representing those who are at particular risk uh, and uh, like other at-risk groups, uh, there's different advice uh, that would be given to cancer patients. Um, I guess firstly uh, to to say I think we have to acknowledge that there is a huge community concern now around uh, this particular infection. Uh, cancer patients, uh, those undergoing active cancer treatment, are always at elevated risk of a variety of different infections, not just COVID, uh, not just the COVID-19 um, illness, uh, but flus and colds, etc., can be more serious. But there's a lot that uh, patients uh, and their immediate family members and friends can do to reduce um, the risk of them contracting these and, and other infections. Uh, and perhaps uh, you'd outline some of uh, the steps uh, that patients should be taking. Certainly, and, and I guess uh, to go through these, um, folks may forget them, so just some other sources that they can go for information. Our website, cancer.ie, um, has a, a link to all of the information. The HSE uh, website also has specific information uh, for cancer patients. And our free phone nurse line, number 1-800-200-700, will uh, address any questions that people might have. So I suppose the measures uh, come down uh, at a community and an individual level. There's a lot we can do. This virus does not exist in the wind and does not just kind of blow around. It is passed from person to person. And we can break that transmission cycle um, by um, preventing 
the virus from getting in through our skin. Our skin is our primary barrier of protection against these and other infections. So things like regular washing of hands, and in particular washing of hands when coming into the home to make sure that there's no cross-contamination with, of, of home surfaces. Um, people uh, Avoiding people who are coughing or, or sneezing. If people are coughing or sneezing, they need to try and reduce the risk that they might um, spread on those particles. So coughing into the crook uh, of the elbow to stop, stop the spread. And being careful and washing hands uh, after uh, sneezing and coughing. Uh, people, I think, are going to have to adjust to social distancing. So that means no shaking hands, mm. uh, keeping apart from people uh, and so on. Obviously, there's concern around certain uh, public areas where there could be an increased risk, although the majority of infection throughout the world has been seen um, at community level or in direct contact. So, in other words, somebody in your home getting it or, or somebody that um, you might have a, a much closer kind of contact with or be, or be seated beside and obviously, um, cancer can be a very difficult time for people and, and for their friends, and everybody wants to be supportive. But if somebody wants to visit a friend that has been treated for cancer, um, they need to think about, uh, are they at risk of giving that infection? So if they're unwell, they certainly should not go and, and visit uh, a friend and maybe just ring them instead and, and keep in touch through those kinds of ways. So um, those are just some... Mm. And there are a lot of things that people can do to break the transmission cycle of this infection. And for people who have cancer, and I imagine the advice would uh, apply to other vulnerable groups, uh, whether that's older people or other people with other underlying conditions, uh, should they uh, stay in more often uh, or uh, should they isolate themselves? Um, I I guess it's it's important to make some distinctions um, there. The virus is passed on by direct person-to-person uh, contact. As I said, it does not exist in the air. So going outside, going for a walk or a mm. run or, or that sort of thing, um, that is uh, certainly to be recommended. It, it's very important both for physical and mm. for mental health. What about getting on a bus, though? Keep going. Um, patients who are um, being treated for cancer who will have a, a reduced immune system would certainly want to think about that and, and think about uh, are they going to be in a crowded environment uh, how long are they going to be in that environment, uh, etc. as well. Mm. It really is around knowledge of, of, of that. We're not going to say that um, people who are being actively treated shouldn't be on, on public transport, but in many cases, they will be quite unwell from their treatment anyway, so they'll be yeah. less inclined um, to do that. What if they needed to travel to hospital by bus? Uh, should they look for an alternative way of getting there? The Cancer Society, we have fantastic um, volunteers uh, throughout the country uh, who every day bring people um, to their um, to to clinics for for in particular for chemotherapy uh, treatment. Um, so m- most patients will have access to that in the uh, in the background anyway as they're as they're undergoing um, their treatment. Okay, but you would uh, advise uh, that uh, people f- avoid that close contact with big groups that you would get, let's say, on a bus or a train or that sort of thing. I, I said it, it's really around a kind of a, a risk assessment that people need to look at. Where are they in their treatment? Because it's the treatment itself that it increases the risk. Uh, the other risks are really more associated with um, age and, and other mm. uh, comorbidities, other diseases that people might have. So we know that uh, people over 70 are, are elevated risk, people with conditions like high blood pressure or diabetes. Uh, and the risks there are not so much of a, a greater risk of them contracting it. There is a small uh, increase in that, but more that the uh, the infection could be more serious in them. And I suppose the additional piece of advice there is, 
if a patient does develop, um, in particular, a sudden rise in temperature or a fever, they need to very rapidly make contact uh, with healthcare professionals. Cancer patients on active treatment mm. will have a phone number for their clinic and they should make contact with that as they would normally, even before this pandemic, that would be um, very common. Um, and um, getting early intervention may be very important in reducing the impact of the illness. And uh, I suppose the more problems you have, the more vulnerable you are to contracting disease. this disease. So if you're a, a, an older person with diabetes uh, and cancer, uh, well, then the risks are multiple, are they? Not so much multiple. I, I guess it actually it's, it's more to do, as I said, with those, um, those underlying conditions. Um, but there certainly is an elevated risk that if they get an infection, that it will be more serious. And this happens at the best of times. People who are older are more vulnerable to flus and colds. It takes them much longer um, to recover, and they may need more uh, intensive treatment. Uh, And what if somebody is undergoing treatment uh, for their cancer, if uh, they're receiving radiation or chemotherapy or something like that? uh, Are they all the more vulnerable again? They are, and I suppose for a period of time immediately after treatment and for a few weeks afterwards, their immune system and, and patients themselves, your, your listeners who are active patients at the minute will know about their white blood cell count or the neutrophil count and this word neutropenia. If their blood cell count goes down, they will be less able um, to deal with any infection. They're more likely to get um, infections and that's why they're counselled and schooled as they're going through treatment around the measures that I mentioned there about being careful and um, to avoid the risk of, of getting an illness and to make sure that they make rapid contact if they do start showing the signs. Okay, and as this progresses and as uh, the disease escalates uh, across uh, the country, which we're told to expect, uh, there's always the risk that this will get into hospitals. At that stage, then hospitals hospitals will have to consider if they should or should not treat cancer patients, I take it. Um, we're quite away uh, from that at the minute and bear in mind that all of our major hospitals at any given time are dealing with lots of different types of cases and people with various infections. We've just come out of a reasonably moderate um, flu season. That saw several hundred people uh, hospitalised with consequences of a flu infection. So at any given time, a hospital is managing um, people with a variety of different illnesses, including infectious diseases, they have protocols to protect that. They are prioritising uh, certain treatments. So you will see some hospitals at the minute have both close to visitors and close to elective um, mm. procedures and outpatients, but they are still maintaining cancer services, dialysis services, etc. Um, so I, I suspect that's the kind of picture that we will see on a rolling basis, yeah. the prioritisation of people who have um, more severe illness. And I, I, I think some people have... Uh a problem with that uh, to the extent that it's confusing because some have closed to visitors and some have not uh, and some co- countries are, are taking actions that others are, are not uh, it's very difficult to know uh, what should be done and what should not be done uh, but when you're looking at other countries uh, there is uh, this question is there not doctor that uh, we have the choice of waiting until everybody gets sick uh, before we act uh, in the way that they're doing in Italy because that's uh, the uh, stage that they're at now. Um, There's some very specific differences to the situation that exists in China, Iran, South Korea and Italy um, at the minute uh, and we can only go with what we have at the minute. The Italian infection was evident before Christmas um, in their hospital, uh, certain hospitals within their region. So they already, before it was identified, had a community level of infection at the minute, the number of infections in Ireland remains small. 
um, and um, prioritising care for people to make sure that they have their cancers treated or their dialysis or all of those other mm. things is very important. So at the minute, Ireland remains in what's called a containment phase. So that means um, that there um, there's uh, little evidence of community infection. There's only a small number of cases have been had in, in very isolated places. In these high-risk regions in Italy, the numbers are dramatically um, higher um, and there are a lot more people in the community who have the infection. So we need to support um, our hospitals, support our, our healthcare professionals and the decisions that they will make on a dynamic basis. But we are not in the same situation as these places at the minute and we need to make sure that people get um, appropriate um, healthcare. So you believe that we are actually a couple of months behind uh, the situation that Italy is in rather than a couple of weeks behind them? The, the government at the minute, uh, uh, and, and particularly the Department of Health who, who are running this, fully accept that we are dealing with an unprecedented um, situation and they are engaging with all stakeholders, including the Cancer Society. And what they are trying to do is blunt the, um, the, the peak um, that has been seen in some of those other countries like um, Italy. If we can maintain that peak at a low level, our health service will continue to be able to manage both the infection and day-to-day activities. And that has to be the focus. We all have a, a personal and a community responsibility to play our part in doing this by reducing the chances of us getting it or passing it on to somebody else. And if we can keep those numbers at a lower manageable level over the coming weeks, um, we will be able to um, see our way through this and people will be supported with the best possible care, as they always are, and by our doctors and our nurses. Okay, that's a, a big if, isn't it? Uh, and what if it's not, if it's if not? Um, I, I think uh, plans are in place for those contingencies, but those contingencies need to be activated if and when we have the data um, to support them. We don't at the minute. We have a, a still a small number proportionately uh, of people who have been infected. There's ongoing testing, and that testing continues to show and that there is not evidence of this infection within the community. We therefore need to make sure that people get treatment for their illnesses so that they don't succumb to those diseases and those illnesses and are given the best possible chance of of a good outcome from whatever their health condition. Okay, Robert, thank you very much indeed for joining us here this morning. That's Dr. Robert O'Connor, Head of Research with the Irish Cancer Society. Michael Reed on LMFM. On Wednesday, our fears began to become reality and we spoke about the real concern that there is about coronavirus, COVID-19, with Dr. Mary Scully. Now let's talk once again to Dr. Mary Scully, who's a GP with Abbey House Medical Centre in Navan. Good morning to you, Dr. Scully, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme again. We've been speaking to you since uh, the first confirmed case in uh, this country, and uh, since we started speaking, it's a, a virus that has been spreading uh, and has accelerated across Europe. It's obviously taking hold now, and uh, the confirmation of 10 cases alone yesterday in the Republic uh, is evidence of that. I think we're in for the long haul and it's evolving and with it, the advice is changing. A change in advice to people yesterday who are looking to see their GP and that they shouldn't walk in to see you off the street or hope to see you by walking in off the street and that they should phone in advance and make an appointment. Yes, good morning, Michael. Yes, the advice for this week certainly has changed um, from the previous weeks when I was talking to you when you know we had much much fewer cases and they were mainly related to travel 
But as from last week, we now have um, community transmission and case-to-case contact transmission. So, the thing, you know, it has completely changed the outlook and how we're going to be dealing with this. <clears throat> so from a general practice point of view, we really do not want people with respiratory symptoms presenting to us in a surgery, which is going to be full of, you know, sick people, older mm-hmm. people, people with chronic, you know, multimorbidity. So we don't want them coming into the, if at all possible. So the procedure at the moment... And just explain is, what you mean by that, Dr. Scully. Uh, people who have cold-like symptoms, people who are, are sneezing, coughing, uh, yes. and that type of thing. Basically, any thing to do with the respiratory tract. Now, upper is what we call upper respiratory symptoms. So it'd be runny noses, sneezing, sore throats. Mm. They're probably less worrying than any lower respiratory symptoms, which would be do with being chesty, having bad coughs, having any shortness of breath or any difficulty in breathing. They would be what we are called lower respiratory symptoms and they would be more concerning. Right. Okay. However, we don't really want anybody with any mm. respiratory symptoms whatsoever um, coming into us just um, on spec or coming in as walk-in. So all our patients now... And is that because, I'm sorry to cut across you, is that because you don't want uh, somebody coming into you with a, a cold or the flu perhaps and giving somebody else a cold or the flu or is it because you're concerned that they might have COVID-19? Well, you see, of course, it's, you know, it's, it's the COVID-19 that has changed everything, OK? So before this, you know, seasonal flu went round, other respiratory infections went round, and we dealt them, uh, you know, as and when they presented. But this is a different category of illness entirely. So this is something which has the potential to reach pandemic levels in the community. And we do not want to see a situation where we, t- we turn into Italy. So in order to prevent that, we have to be ultra cautious. And so now the advice is different for anybody with any respiratory symptoms. Ring your GP. Um, either you will be asked on the phone about your symptoms and you will not be given an appointment until the GP phones you back to discuss it with you. Now, if it sounds reasonably straightforward, doesn't sound like it's anything too significant, you may well then be given an appointment to be seen. But we will be trying to maybe give people telephone advice um, we will be, you know, phoning through prescriptions to pharmacies if that's appropriate. Um, and anybody that sounds, you know, ill will be, you know, advised to possibly get tested or go to hospital. And we'll be arranging that for them if necessary. OK, but if you're to be tested, uh, it would be because you'll have established uh, that the patient was in close contact with a confirmed case of coronavirus or that they had been somewhere where the spread of the virus is rampant. Yes, that's the current criteria for testing. Okay, is so is that sufficient? Well, it's changing, isn't it? You know, we now have several cases, like even in the 10 that were announced yesterday, uh, three could not be explained by either of those two criteria. So we are in a kind of an evolving and a different situation where basically now we're being told that anybody with you know, respiratory infections that up to this we would have put down to, you know, colds and flus, mm, et cetera, mm. et cetera. But we now have to deem them to be at some risk of potentially having um, coronavirus. So we have to treat everybody as potentially having 
coronavirus. Okay, so if somebody calls you and says, look, I haven't been in touch with uh, or in contact with somebody who has coronavirus, to the best of my knowledge, I haven't travelled in a, a very long period of time and I don't think I've come into any contact with to the disease to the best of my knowledge, but I've had a, a cold for the last week, I've been taking Benelin, I start coughing at night, in fact I was awake for a, an hour, an hour and a half last night from the coughing and I couldn't sleep. Uh, what will you say to them? Will you ask them to be tested or will you uh, suggest something else to them? I don't think they would be tested, even if we rang public health. Um, you know, they are they're pretty well adhering strictly enough at the moment to the current criteria. So we've had some people ring, um, you know, that are a bit more mm. unwell, but most of them have actually been told they're not, you know, uh, they don't fit the criteria for testing, so they're not being tested. We don't have to say so as to who gets tested, who who does not. That is down to the public health and the HSE. Do you believe that criterion should change, though? I mean, I you think could, it is going to change. Yeah, I mean, you read about this uh, Australian GP, Chris Higgins, uh, who tested positive for COVID-19 but it was only discovered after he had he had treated 70 patients he estimated since he had what he thought was a very mild cold. Yes and you know and that's the trouble is that in a lot of people particularly younger people the symptoms can be quite mild and can be attributed to uh, just a cold. So that is the, the dilemma we're facing is that as things change the criteria for testing is going to also have to change. And, you know, it's, it's going to mean considerably more testing is going to have to take place. And I think Tony Holhan announced last night that, you know, apart from the virus reference laboratory, which is currently doing all the testing, but has, a, you know, a limited capacity, now they are going to be um, doing testing in regional labs. So that is going to increase the number of tests available. And I would foresee that a lot more people are going to have to be tested. Okay, I've just been handed a, a sheet of uh, paper from uh, the chairperson of Simonstown Gales GFC, uh, which I'll read for our listeners uh, because it will be of interest to them, uh, of course, and perhaps you'll be able to advise people if they're concerned as a result. But they're saying uh, that a member of uh, the club has tested positive for COVID-19 and uh, that they had recently been on holiday in Italy uh, and they wish the member a full uh, and speedy recovery uh, obviously the player was one of two players from the club on the trip abroad in advance of their returns the players were requested by team management to undertake and readily agree to a period of two weeks of self-isolation the second player is still in isolation and currently shows no sign of symptoms neither player has visited the club since uh, their return so it seems from what I'm reading there and I'm literally seeing it as I'm reading it to to you uh, that they have followed all the correct procedures and that they shouldn't pose any risk to anybody no, I mean, if they haven't visited the club since their return home, then the club can, you know, be assured their their other members are safe enough, um, and they are doing the correct thing by um, self-isolating for two weeks after the return from, you know, really mm. which was an outbreak area. Many people are, are saying, why don't we just shut the place down, close the schools, keep people at home, do what they're doing in Italy before we end up in the situation that Italy is in. Two days ago, mm-hmm. 700 people were diagnosed uh, as having uh, the disease and yesterday, 1,700 people were diagnosed as having the yeah. disease, bringing the total to over 9,000. I know, yes, and it's 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 really, really difficult, I think, for the people who are in charge of making these decisions to make them at the right time because, you know, closing everything down has huge implications for the economy, 
for education, for people's lives, you know. So it's not a decision that you can really take lightly. And it and it has to be done at the right time. Now, I know there are people criticising the HSE and saying, oh, it should be happening now. But, you know, those, those same people will probably be going crazy if they're told they can't travel on their holidays no. or go out to the cinema or, um, you know, they have to stay home because their children are home from school. You, you know, it has huge implications. And whereas that might be coming down the road, we would hope perhaps that, you know, maybe some further, um, you know, uh, uh, processes will take place that will avoid having to do that complete shutdown. So, for example, you know, I think people really need to be thinking a little bit more carefully about their own sort of situations. And, you, you know, we haven't formally got onto the delay process yet, but, right. you know, that would involve much more sort of social isolation. And people can do things for themselves, apart from the whole personal hygiene bit, which obviously has to be a given at this stage. Um, you know, and if anybody has any symptoms of respiratory infection, that they go home and they stay home and they ask for medical help. But, you know, even just going to into crowds, into big gatherings, um, heading outside for, you know, cinemas, restaurants, you know, perhaps it is kind of more sensible just to go to work and come home and stay at home. Mm. God. Yeah, it really is food for thought. Is we're in uncharted territory. Uh, yeah. I suppose that's a, an expression that's been used uh, many times, uh, but uh, it really does uh, apply to the situation we're in now, and we don't know where we're going, which is uh, the uh, frightening part of it. Uh, but washing your hands and listening to the public health experts uh, is the best advice at the moment. Yes, and you know that's changing all the time, and both the HSE websites and the HPSC websites have very good information for everybody and you know people should be looking at that on a daily basis to see what's happening. Okay. Dr. Scully, thank you as always uh, for joining us here on the program this morning. That's Dr. Mary Scully, a GP with Abbey House Medical Centre in Navan. Michael Reed on LMFM. On Thursday, the Taoiseach was in Washington for the St. Patrick's Day celebrations, although they were St. Patrick's Day celebrations unlike any before. Patrick Tobin of AIM2 questioned the Taoiseach's visit to America, and indeed we discussed in some detail how we were responding to coronavirus. The World Health Organization has declared a global pandemic due to the spread of COVID-19. In the past two weeks, the number of cases of coronavirus outside of China has increased 13-fold. The number of infected countries has tripled, according to Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, the Director General of The WHO. Globally, more than 125,000 people in 114 countries have contracted the disease and more than four. 4,600 deaths have occurred so far. The World Health Organization is deeply concerned both by the alarming levels of the spread and the severity of the disease and the alarming levels of inaction by governments. COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic, they say, because of the significant and ongoing person-to-person spread in multiple countries. Pandemics are more likely if a virus is brand new, able to infect people easily and can spread from person-to-person in an efficient and sustained way. Coronavirus does exactly this. 
There is no vaccine or treatment that can prevent it yet. Containing its spread, it's vital, but it is out of control across two continents. Here, the first patient with COVID-19 has died. Nine new cases were identified yesterday, bringing the total number to 43. Add the 19 cases in Northern Ireland, and at this stage, 62 people on this island have been identified as having the virus. All travel from Europe is banned into America, bar Ireland and the UK. Italy is under complete lockdown with just pharmacies and grocery shops open, and Denmark is to follow suit. Patrick Tobin is the leader of the Ain2 party and a TD for Meath West. He joins us now. And a very good morning to you and thanks for joining us. Uh, you have concerns about how the government here is responding to this virus. Yeah, first and foremost, just um, our deepest sympathies to the family uh, of the woman who passed away with regard to this. Um, it is a very, very serious situation. We have been saying so for the last uh, two weeks nearly at this stage. And I went and I attended a meeting with the Taoiseach and the Minister for Health and the Chief Medical Officer uh, in government buildings on Monday, and I communicated my concerns that there wasn't being enough there done there uh, uh, with regards this particular issue. And you mentioned in your own introduction there that the WHO Director General obviously has named this a pandemic, but has also said, and very significantly, that nation states are not being aggressive enough with regards to the measures they need to take to resolve this particular issue. The earlier that this issue is resolved in a country, the easier it is. Uh, to to fix and obviously the easier it is to uh, to treat people because the numbers are far lower uh, as well mm. and just in, in, in case people get I suppose too gloomy with regards to this the WHO also had uh, good news and they stated very clearly that this virus can be stopped uh, if nation states are willing to take the necessary aggressive uh, measures and just with, with regards to what the government ha- has done so far there is no national plan published as of yet with regard to how to stop the spread of this uh, in Ireland. Um, the government has uh, published no modelling with regards uh, how to stop this and what numbers we're likely to see as of yet. Now, they say that they have not completed that modelling. I'm not sure if that's the case, but they definitely haven't published it as of yet. And as of yesterday, flights were still coming in to Ireland from northern Italy. This despite the fact that Italy is itself quarantined and in lockdown, and the fact that the vast majority of cases here in Ireland of coronavirus have been uh, imported into Ireland from these exact flights. And that's an issue that I actually okay. uh, raised repeatedly with the Taoiseach last Monday. Okay, I'll come back to that in a moment. I just want to mention uh, for our listeners so that there isn't any undue panic. Uh, Mike Ryan is an executive uh, director of uh, the World Health Organization, just happens to be Irish, uh, and he was asked about the Irish situation yesterday. Uh, and he had some praise for how the Irish government is handling this, had quite a, a lot of praise actually for how the Irish government is handling it so far, and did have some criticisms and made some pointers uh, in uh, suggestion to how has been handled here but when it comes to travel when it comes to how seriously this is being treated it's obvious that Donald Trump is starting to treat this seriously and if Mr Trump is treating it seriously it must be very serious Well I was shocked it, it, it took till Tuesday two days ago this week for the Taoiseach to raise the issue of flights from affected areas to Ireland with the European Council and indeed you know, the idea that the Taoiseach should have to seek permission from the European Council to determine what flights from what areas are coming into Ireland uh, in this particular situation is incredible. 
obviously our our major uh, objective now is to stop the the transmission of this virus in Ireland. Mm. But logic would dictate we have to stop importing it as well. And if flights are coming in, that's likely to be the case. Okay, but if that criticism uh, is warranted, uh, it is also critical of the other 27 European leaders or the other 26 European leaders and indeed every country in the world that has allowed flights from Italy to come in. Well, what I'm saying to you is, is that, first of all, it's up to the Irish government to be responsible to the Irish people, first and foremost. And uh, if you have a situation where there is a concentration of virus in particular areas, whether it be northern Italy or whether it be Berlin or whether it be Marseille or, 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 or any other city in Europe, logic would dictate that we would slow the traffic of people from those particular areas to Ireland while that's happening. And also, if, if, if you look at what happened in Britain, when... Flights were coming from affected areas into Britain. They put medical professionals uh, in the airports to check the people as they came off the flights, to check them, first of all, to see had they any symptoms of the illness, and also to assess the risk of where they were traveling from and where they're traveling to. That's still not in place in Irish airports. There is HSE staff in the airports handing out leaflets, and I believe there are some HSE medical professionals in Irish airports currently for people who self-present if they feel uh, unwell. But we're still not checking people uh, with regards coming from affected areas to see exactly what risk uh, uh, they bring with regards... Should to we be checking Leo Vratker when he returns uh, from America? This was a, a question which was uh, dismissed out of hand, I think, yesterday by Minister Richard Bruton when I put it to him uh, that he's going to be in close contact. I assume he won't be shaking hands. Uh, apparently he won't be passing uh, the bowl of shamrock, so there won't be an object that both hands, sets of hands, have uh, touched. Uh, but he, he will be in very close contact because he's to meet Donald Trump today. He'll be in very close contact with somebody who was in contact with a number of people who were in contact with a a person who has this disease. In fact, he he was seen shaking hands with one of uh, these Republican senators. Uh, So is the Taoiseach putting himself in risk and should he be tested when he comes back or put into into isolation, if not self-isolation? Well, first of all, I do believe that the level of testing has to be ramped up radically in this country because you mentioned that there are 62 cases in Ireland. There are far more than 62 cases in Ireland. The identified cases. Exactly, and and this is the point here. Um, So we know that there are multiples of those, that 62 cases in Ireland currently. And it will be logical for us to radically ramp up the level of testing that we're doing so we have a clearer picture with regards to what's happening to this. The problem with uh, analysing this particular illness with the number of cases that have been identified is we're actually looking uh, at information that's two weeks old. Would you go and meet Donald Trump? Personally, I would restrict travel uh, to and from the island at the moment until this particular crisis okay. uh, has abated. But, but would you meet a person such as Donald Trump who has shaken hands with somebody who has been in contact with somebody who has COVID-19? This has been established. Yeah, well, I, I suppose personally what I'm saying is I wouldn't uh, create myself into becoming a link between an existing case okay so you, so so you so so you can so, see a link no I, I, there's obviously every, every like it, there's, there's degrees of separation and right. obviously the further the, the degrees of separation the safer people are the closer the degrees of sep, uh, separation hmm. the less safe people are but i just want to get back to oh, no well I, I no i asked you a question yeah, uh, and, uh, and i said i wouldn't is 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 no it? no the question i asked you was if the Taoiseach should self isolate when he comes back or if he should be tested that was the question i asked you i think logically the Taoiseach should be tested uh, when he comes back uh, to uh, ireland and and very simply for like not in in any negative uh, way to disparage uh, the Taoiseach, but we just need 
all of us individually to make sure that we are not conduits of this particular illness. And, and I want to say this as well. There's a lot of social media comment with regards to particular cases that become apparent in particular areas. And, you know, that case became apparent in, in my own town and county in recent times. Mm. You know, people who have the illness are victims. They're individuals like you and I, uh, people who... Uh, who might be in very, very serious... Well, there's few uh, of them. There will be many of them. But yeah. uh, I suppose containment uh, and uh, keeping uh, this disease out is one thing. So if you believe that the Taoiseach has put himself uh, to uh, risk of such a degree that he should be tested when he comes back or put into isolation when he comes back, do you believe it's remiss of him to visit Mr Trump? Well, I, I told you earlier, I wouldn't be uh, leaving the island of Ireland at the moment and going to particular uh, different countries when this crisis is going on. So that answers that question. But we're, we're so you believe? Do, do, are you saying of, that the Taoiseach is misguided Michael, Michael, in c- continuing with this visit? Michael, there's a big picture here. While I understand it's, it's easier to personalise it with regards to one individual, right now we have uh, advice from this government and have had for the last two weeks. The people coming back from affected areas who don't have the symptoms, have no need to self-isolate. Now, that is incredible. In Britain, very quickly, with two weeks ago, they said that those who are coming back from ski trips or whatever from Italy should, on pain well, of why, law... Why should any Irish person self-isolate coming back from anywhere if our leadership won't? Well, well first so, of all, we I all mean, have it's not a, a question of making it simple or, or trying to simplify ourselves. it. But, We're but, talking but, about what the... I'm, the, I'm the, not the, asking... The, the Prime Minister of this country, the Taoiseach, uh, is going to America. He's travelling. He's going to be in somebody who, as you have said, is a link to this disease and he's coming back to this country. Uh, is it remiss of him to go ahead with that visit? I, I said yes. I th- it's wrong for the Taoiseach, I believe, to go off the island of, uh, of Ireland during this particular crisis. I think when he returns, he should, uh, logically for his own benefit and for the benefit of everybody he meets after that, simply gets uh, tested. It's not a big deal. It's a very small deal uh, with regards to getting tested. But the bigger picture is, is we have still a, a government who is not paying attention with regards to what has to be done to really tackle this particular crisis in Ireland. And as I said, one of the biggest problems, and we saw where medical professionals were coming back from skiing trips from northern Italy, they're coming back to Ireland, and the advice that the government were giving to those individuals was that they themselves did not need to self-isolate. Now, that is absolutely illogical, and also is a radically different uh, approach than the British took, who, on pain of law, said to people, if you're coming back from a a, a trip uh, from an affected area, you actually have to self-isolate. So we need to make sure that the government get really serious about this particular issue. It's a national emergency. And we need to make sure that there is a functioning government, that we don't have this crisis of lack of government uh, anymore. How how serious should the government get about it? Uh, I mean, uh, if uh, you say Italy is the extreme end of uh, the scale, where should we be at? Well, I think most of the European countries are following the same trajectory as Italy currently. And if you look at the... The, uh, the graphs with regards to the increase on a daily basis, most European countries uh, are now simply six, seven, eight, nine days behind where Italy is at the moment. But should we close schools? Well, th- there's no doubt in my mind that we actually should uh, bring forward the Easter holidays uh, to uh, start next Monday. Should we close bars and restaurants? No, w- what I'm saying is, w- what I would ask at the moment would be that we would stop large gatherings of thousands of people currently. The idea that this week in Dublin, thousands, tens of thousands of people gather for a concert is just absolutely bananas. Um, you know, uh, 
you have to make sure that you approach the crisis in a proportioned fashion. Should we let, we are, should we let several hundreds of people rub up against each other in a nightclub? Well, what I would be saying that uh, groups of uh, more than 100 or 200 people should not be meeting at this stage. As, as, simple, as, as simple as that. Um, if, if, if we're going to have a situation where we're going to control this, we have to get far more serious than the government is taking this. The government is behind the curve. The situation is getting worse. Should, and, should and we, we stop people visiting nursing homes? We've been warning about this for the last two weeks, and we're asking the government to get real. We're asking them, mm. first of all, to produce a plan to fix this. Second of all, make sure there's a functioning government with a mandate uh, with regards to this. We're asking them to radically increase the level of testing that's happening in Ireland, uh, that people who feel ill can actually get tested when they want to get tested, so we have a better picture of what's going on. We are Through GPs, is it? Pardon me? How can they get tested? Uh, I mean, we've about... Uh uh, I, I, I'm not sure how many, but we, we, we don't have the capacity to test we all don't the people. Have the so so the, how, how do we do that? Do we for, do it through example, GPs? On, on Tuesday morning, I rang the HSC number to ask uh, advice mm. uh, to, to see what the story would be. I spent 35 minutes waiting on the phone line to be told that the person at the other end of the line wasn't a medical professional, wasn't in any position able to give advice, and th- that I should ring a doctor. The doctor was closed. Uh, they said that the doctor was closed to ring the uh, accident and emergency in the local hospital. I rang that. They didn't um, uh, provide uh, advice and couldn't provide advice and indeed couldn't provide uh, testing as well. And then when I rang, uh, obviously, the doctor's surgery, finally, obviously, they worked out the level of of risk. Um, One of the points of the level of risk currently is that you've actually physically travelled from an affected area or you've engaged with somebody from an affected area. But actually, we need to be far more broad than that. And the British are already going into to, to the system that if you are very sick or if you have the symptoms, even if you have never been in the affected mm-hmm. area or been next to somebody to in stay the at home area, if you have a cold, you need to start to get uh, uh, tested. So, sh- sh- should we be closing the ports and the airports? I, I believe that we, sh- we should be um, stopping travel from radically affected areas. And that's what I'm saying is the proportionate results now. Today, there will be a flight landing from Northern Italy in Dublin, Michael. It's not absolutely incredible that in the teeth of this particular crisis, a flight will land from Northern Italy. Okay. This government has still not restricted flights from there. All right. We'll but, have can, I, can I just say w- w- one more brief thing? And briefly, this is please, just sir. as well. Uh, Aintu and Mead have teamed up uh, with the Mead Food Bank and uh, with the, Carlin, uh, the Carlinstown Kilbeg Storm uh, organisation there to say to people... If they are self-isolating, if they have no friends or family uh, at hand to be able to help them get to a shop or get them to a pharmacy or to get fuel, uh, that they should give my offices uh, in Trim or Navin a call and we will make sure that we can get those necessary issues to you uh, if you're self-isolating. This needs to be a community effort. We can beat this. People should not be down about this, but we just need to be focused and work together to beat it. Okay. Let's hope you're right. Thank you indeed for joining us here on the programme this morning. Uh, that's Peter Tobin, uh, TD in Mead West, founder and leader of the Ain2 Party. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Peter Tobin speaking to me on Thursday morning. By Thursday evening, the country was put into a partial lockdown. On Friday morning, I spoke once again with Dr. Mary Scully. 
27 new cases of COVID-19 were confirmed in Ireland yesterday. 22 cases are associated with local transmission, two are associated with community transmission and three are associated with travel. There has been one confirmed death of COVID-19 in Ireland. Last night, Minister Helen McEntee said a second death is reported to have been caused by the coronavirus. There are now 70 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Ireland, but this is only the beginning of a crisis that will take many months to take its course. The HSE has been asked to provide 10,000 intensive care beds. We don't know exactly how many people will get this disease, but we do know that tens of thousands will contract COVID-19. Hundreds of thousands may develop the disease. It could even be that millions of us will catch it. The worst case scenario has estimated that 1.9 million people will end up with COVID-19. It is not a question of if, it is a question of when. That is why the government announced a partial lockdown yesterday with dramatic measures aimed at delaying when people get the disease. This is the delay phase. It is inevitable that thousands, if not millions, will catch COVID-19 here. If the spread can be delayed, there is a better chance of sick people getting treatment. This will make a huge difference as people will die. One in every 100 coronavirus patients will die if its spread is handled successfully. Four in 100 patients may die if it's not. I know that some of this is coming as a real shock and it's going to involve big changes in the way we live our lives. And I know that I'm asking people to make enormous sacrifices. But we're doing it for each other. Together we can slow the virus in its tracks and push it back. Acting together as one nation, we can save many lives. Every one of us will have to accept the changes to our lives. To paraphrase John F. Kennedy, ask not what others will do for you, but what together we can do for the good health of all of our community. Ask of us the same high standards of strength and sacrifice which we ask of you with a good conscience our only sure reward with history, the final judge of our deeds. Let us go forth to lead the land we love, asking his blessing and his help, but knowing that here on earth, God's work must truly be our own. We're a great people. We've experienced hardship and struggle before. We've overcome many trials in the past with our determination and our spirit. And once again, we will prevail. Tishok Leo Vradker outlining how the country is in partial lockdown as a result of coronavirus COVID-19. Dr. Mary Scully is a GP with Abbey House Medical Centre in Navan and joins us once again this morning. And a very good morning to you, Dr. Scully, and thank you indeed for joining us. Uh, just to explain this delay phase a little bit more to us, as I understand it, you're in Navan, for example, if, let's say, 500 patients were to present at Our Lady's Hospital over the course of this virus, uh, it could be very challenging, all the more so if 500 presented this week, but less so if 10 people a week over the course of a year presented themselves for treatment. Good morning, Michael. Yes, I think you've summed up the situation very well in your introduction. Um, So the whole point of the partial lockdown is that we are now entering the next phase of managing a pandemic, which is the delay phase. 
So the initial phase, as people will probably remember, it was the containment phase, which mainly meant trying to track cases and track their contacts and trying to contain it that way. When that is no longer working, we enter the delay phase, which means that we are essentially sort of accepting the fact that this pandemic probably cannot be stopped, but that we can delay the number of cases presenting. And the main aim of this is that the health services are not overwhelmed. So lots of people may have seen the two graphs with the curves on them, the big high one which shoots up um, and projects well above the health um, system's capacity to cope. And then the second curve, which is a flatter, longer curve over a longer period of time, but which remains within the health system's capacity to cope. So basically, you know, we're calling it flattening the curve. That Mm. is what we're trying to do. So we probably ultimately will have the same number of people affected by this virus. But the aim is that we don't have them all presenting within a very short period of time and that the health service becomes overwhelmed. Or sitting on a sombrero, as Boris Johnson put it. What? <laughs> Sitting on a sombrero to flatten that oh, yes, peak. Yes, yes. Yes, 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 I get you. Yes, exactly. The, the peak oh, not me, Boris Johnson. <laughs> Take thanks the credit for yeah. that one. So exactly. Yeah. So the, mm. the, 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 the tall hat of the sombrero is mm. the, the acute curve, which we are hoping to flatten. But is this literally a, a matter of life and death? I mean, if 500 people... Uh, which is a figure I'm obviously plucking out of the air, were to turn up at Our Lady's Hospital in Navan today with coronavirus, in need of intensive care, there's no way that the hospital could cope. There's no way that those people could receive treatment. And as a result of a lack of treatment, uh, they could be seriously ill, if not facing into death. Is that the reason for this delay? So that it's spread over time and there is the ability to care for people? Yeah, we only have limited capacity in terms of numbers of ICU beds, numbers of ventilators and lots of people may have seen on social media the situation in Italy where they are actually overwhelmed and there is a real crisis where there aren't enough beds there aren't enough ventilators Mm. for people and doctors are having to make very difficult decisions. Wartime protocols are coming into play in hospitals there aren't they and they're saying that they have to prioritise the young people and let the old people go and not resuscitate people because they haven't got the capacity to do it. Well, from what I read, some people, you know, aren't even getting a doctor if they, you know, if they crash. Um, but we're, so we're kind of really hoping to avoid that type of scenario. But really, it is a war. You know, it's a war against this virus. And, you know, and that was the tenor of Leo Radker's speech yesterday is that we kind of nearly have to sort of behave like this is a war. And we do have to all pull together, mm. you know, the, the blitz spirit, as it were. Uh, the guards who are in training at the moment are to come out of training and to uh, graduate early. And Templemore is uh, to be turned into a hospital of sorts. Uh, they're looking at anywhere that uh, they can find space uh, so that they can provide intensive care beds, whether that's hospitals or disused buildings. I think the, the health service... Oh, I'm sorry, I meant to say hotels or disused buildings. Oh, hotels, so, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think the health service has been proactive in trying to sort of locate potential buildings that are would have spare capacity in case they need these beds, in case that they delay tactics of locking down, um, preventing mass gatherings, closing schools, etc., do not work. And a lot of, of, you know, whether it's going to work 
depends on the public. And I'd really be emphasizing this to the public out there that, you know, this is not something that has been done to inconvenience you or to panic you. This is something that is going to help you in the long run. And it needs everybody's involvement Mm. so that when children are off school, that they don't gather in large groups in each other's houses or in shopping centres or wherever they they, they hang out. You know, that, that they do try to avoid, you know, meeting up in large numbers, that they do keep their distance socially from people. People need also to, you know, not be annoyed that their their concert or their Mm. theatre or... God forbid their weddings well, in some go, cases yeah, are cancelled. Yeah, it's going to and be very just, boring, yeah. Yeah, mm, you know, but you, mm. yes, we all have to be very boring. We all have mm, to sit mm. at home in our houses, catching up on Netflix series and whatnot. But, mm. you know, we have to do this. Yeah, and it comes back to that... Uh, uh, John F. Kennedy quota of ask not what your country can do for you but what you can do for your country that sort of, of uh, thing and that's the situation that we're in now uh, the measures uh, that have been announced by government are a partial lockdown uh, that may delay the spread of uh, the disease uh, as we've been discussing but it, it may also prevent people from getting the disease because of uh, less contact between people Yes absolutely and it has been shown quite clearly that these kind of measures do work And in any of the countries who had the virus, they've implemented these measures early enough, then it does work to reduce numbers getting the virus. Mm. And I think the message from the government is this is what you're being asked to do at a minimum. Yes, you can go to the pub. Yes, you can go to the shops. Yes, you can go to a restaurant or whatever. But we're asking you, in reality, not to and to curtail your movements if you wouldn't Mm. mind. And as hard as that may be for the businesses involved. Yes, unfortunately, there is going to be a fallout for the hospitality industry, for the restaurant industry, for travel industry. But, you know, it can't be helped, unfortunately. And hopefully there will be some measures taken by government to boost those um, businesses or provide them with some sort of uh, funding to kind of enable them to get through this crisis. But unfortunately, there is going to be that sort of fallout. Right. Uh, We hear about people self-isolating because they have the disease or may have the disease or others are concerned that they might have it. Uh, But what about other people? Uh, Should uh, older people, for example, or people with uh, compromised immune systems... uh, cancer patients, other uh, people who have uh, other underlying diseases, uh, should they think about isolating, staying indoors as much as possible? Absolutely. Anybody who's vulnerable, and they're the people you've mentioned, the elderly, the people with chronic illnesses, the people whose immune systems are suppressed, they all have to be ultra extra cautious and you know and that includes getting you know visitors as well you know people if you have their you know their grandkids coming in who've been out socializing and mixing with other kids you know that's maybe not a runner either maybe you know telephone for visits you know instead of face-to-face contact might be the you know cautious and sensible thing to do Mm. for the foreseeable future because uh, a lot of people are in a a bit of a a quandary at uh, the moment Uh, they've been told that they have to keep their children home uh, whether that's Mm. uh, from the crash or school or whatever and they feel they have to go to work themselves uh, this morning and they may be asking their parents to mind the children yeah, the grandparents. Mm. I know, I know. And that was, I think, one of the, the rationales for not closing schools earlier was because, you know, the, the, uh, you know, oftentimes it's the grandparents who get roped in to, to mind the children, um, you know, and they just like it's, it's kind of, I suppose, the lesser of two evils that the grandparents are going to mind them. 
but you know keeping them home keeping them um you know away from other children uh you know that and and lots of hand washing mm. you know i can't emphasize that enough the main thing remains of preventing this virus is you know, personal hygiene and hand washing. Okay, but what about other people washing their hands? I I mean, if I'm at home, I'm not going out and I'm doing everything I can to protect myself and to avoid coming into contact with this virus and I'm washing my hands every couple of uh, minutes Mm. or any time I do anything, I wash my hands and somebody knocks at the door and they come in, do I ask them to wash their hands? You could do, or you could have hand sanitizer at your door and before they touch anything, just ask them to have a little rub of the hand sanitizer. You know, that's in my house at the moment in the hall table. Okay, we've uh, spoken uh, before about testing and who's being tested and who can get tested if they feel they'd like to get tested. The government says it's going to carry out more testing and that it's consulting with GPs. Uh, Are you aware of any change in uh, the criterion, Dr. Scully? No, uh, and this has been a little bit of a a hot issue for us GPs insofar as, you know, it has been stated on television by none other than the Minister for Health that GPs, you know, are testing, but we are not testing we do not have the capacity at the moment to do any testing. We haven't got the testing kits. Um, and we, we even can't arrange testing. So, you know, if we have a patient who we think is ill enough to need a test and we contact public health and you do eventually get through to them, mm. the public health are still working off, it seems to me, sort of slightly outdated criteria where it's only if you've travelled in the last 14 days to an outbreak area or you've been in contact of a confirmed case, they seem to be still the only people that are being allowed to get tests, whereas mm. kind of the community, sort of maybe people, community transmission people, they're still not getting tested. So I have a little bit of a worry about that, that there may be cases out there that we don't know about because mm-hmm. they haven't been tested. So I think the amount of testing does need to be ramped up considerably. And I think many GPs will be happy to help out um, if they are provided with the equipment, the PPEs, etc., to do so. Okay, I, I feel like I, I'm getting to know you. I've been speaking to you <laughs> yes. so often recently, and I imagine it's uh, the same with our, our listeners. And I, I think our, our listeners will recognise you at this stage because you've been on the programme so often as a, a voice of reason to many respects. And, uh, and I say that without meaning to patronise you, but uh, you're somebody uh, who our listeners, I, I think, can trust uh, because you've been with us throughout the this from the beginning up to this stage where we're in partial lockdown and now we're at a a stage uh, where all of us have changed our uh, uh, opinions as this has uh, developed and evolved and I think your opinion has uh, developed and uh, evolved over the last couple of weeks as well. How do you feel about uh, the announcements made by government yesterday? Uh, Were they uh, too soon, too late or have they got the right balance uh, and do you expect more to come? I personally do think they got the right balance. Um, I think even leaving it till next week might have been a little bit late. I think probably what they were waiting for was looking at the numbers of cases. And I think they acted at the time when there was a kind of a sudden increase in number of cases. As you said, we saw 27 extra cases yesterday. And I think that was the signal for them to say, right, we have to do something now. Um, and they would have been taking advice from the World Health Organization and the European Centre for Disease, Disease Control. Um, and, you know, they acted on it. And it's, you know, possibly not a very popular move across the country. And certainly lots of people, as we saw, were very panicked by it. 
when there was no real need to be, because this is a, a, a move that is in everybody's benefit and everybody's favour, and the whole panic buying of groceries, you know, was a little bit, you know, sort of unnecessary. Dangerous, um, I'd have thought, because uh, so many people were congregating in one place when they were told well, not to <laughs> meet in groups larger <laughs> than 100. Yeah, let's talk about mass yeah, gatherings of, yeah. of more than 100. Some of the pictures I saw on social media certainly mm. looked a bit more than that. So, yeah. you know, that was kind of, yeah, dangerous for them as well. So there's, you know, this is a move that I think it was the correct one at the correct time. So I have to, I think, you know, uh, say that Leo Varadkar has acted very well in this regard um, and, you know, all power to him for, for doing so. OK, thank you indeed for joining us as always. Uh, that's Dr. Mary Scully, GP with Abbey House Medical Centre in Navan. And there you have it, just some of the issues that we've been discussing on the radio over the course of the last week on the Michael Reid Show on LMFM. We'll have another podcast for you next week. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.